0: Welcome to The Supporting Cast, a podcast about learning technology and learning management systems brought to you by those on the front lines supporting LMS admins. Today we have with us Leah and Isabel from our onboarding team. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Could you kick us off today, Leah, by telling us a bit about your background, your time spent at
1: Cap? Sure. So I've been at Cap for about 10 years. I started as an intern And then while I was finishing off my post-secondary education, I joined part-time. And once I graduated post-secondary school, I was brought on full-time. Throughout my time here, I've actually worn quite a few hats, but always kind of, you know, worked in the onboarding field slash development department. Great.
2: And Isabel, what about you? Well, I've been here a little longer than that. Um, Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) And like Leah, again, I've also worked in a number of different areas. And primarily right now, I'm working in the development and the learner experience is my focus as well.
0: Great. Maybe you can share with our audience a little bit about the onboarding experience, what a, a new client might expect.
2: So we always kick off every onboarding, walking people through what the different areas of what we're going to take on, because when a new client comes to an LMS, there's no way they're going to know everything about that LMS on day one. So it's really sort of making sure that we understand what their program and their setup is Mm -hmm. so that we know how best to implement that. And then for us, onboarding is about walking through all of those steps for them so that while they're learning how our system works and every aspect of how they might want to implement that, we set it up for them so that all they need to do once they're ready to launch is to just pick it up and manage the day-to-day. But for us, onboarding is the full scope of getting everything in, all the activities, all your historical data, making sure the learner experience helps learners get in, take their training, get their certificates, whatever they need to for that full experience.
0: I know that sometimes I'll be asked by early on in the process by someone who's demoing perhaps with us or received a demo, talk to our sales department, how long a typical onboarding process is. And I never know quite what to say because it can be as short as a month that can go quite a bit longer.
1: Yeah, definitely. Onboarding varies depending on the client, their needs and What amount of data they're actually bringing in. We have clients that have never used an LMS before, so they don't have to bring in anything. And sometimes that takes a little longer because they're starting from scratch and maybe they don't have any SCORM packages yet. And they're just in the middle of creating them. There are other clients that have everything ready to go, everything in a nice little neat box. And, you know, we just bring in their data. We just bring in their activities and, you know, they're ready to go. So it really does depend on their needs and how ready they are to actually move over by the time we start onboarding them. Hmm. I
0: know, Isabel, you talk quite a bit about clean data. What does that mean? I don't know what that means.
2: (laughs) I feel like it's a bit of a myth, to be honest. (laughs) I've never had anyone come to an onboarding project with data in the format and the structure that they actually are looking for either. Mm -hmm. So usually they'll get an export for which other system they were using before, Mm -hmm. and it won't include something that they need. So, and it's never in the format that you ideally want it. So when we go through onboarding, there's usually we allot a certain amount of time to reviewing the data, figuring out how we can clean it. In other words, how we can anticipate if this means this, then let's make sure we bring this data in, in this other way kind of thing. And it'll be things like, I don't think I've ever run into a project where someone's been able to send us suspend data. So when you're taking a course in the previous system and they're halfway through the course, no one has ever been able to send us that data. So we only know that they were enrolled. We know that they started, but we don't know where they left off. So there'll be situations- And we call that suspend data. Yeah, it's it's because that's the data that the course will send to the LMS Mm -hmm. to say, send me this data back so I know where to continue on. So if they don't send us that data, then we can't send it to the course to say this is where they left off.
1: It's a bookmark in the course. Got it. Got it.
2: So that's typically one of the things that we don't get. Mm -hmm. Other times, it'll be things like there's no success, but we know they got 100%. So we need to make an extrapolate that you got 100%. Therefore, it's a success. Mm -hmm. It's passed. So there are situations like that where there's key pieces of data that aren't in there. And we have to sort of sift through that a little bit with a client and just... Ask them core questions like, "What's the passing score of your courses or these courses versus those courses?" And then we can we can fill in the in the blanks sometimes. But yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. But it's something that we're so
1: used to. We just
2: we've never been given data in a clean format. We just never expect it.
1: I usually just tell clients, just give it to us in the format that you get it because then, you know, the burden is on them to have to clean it themselves when oh, yeah. it's a lot easier for us to kind of sift through it because we've done so, so much nice. data cleaning. We know what really is core information that we need to bring in. But, you know, on the flip side, of not receiving enough data, we also sometimes receive too much data, hmm. you know, so there'll be like maybe 500 columns in a data export and we only need a hundred of them. So we, go through these conversations with the clients where they determine what's really relevant to bring in at the same time.
0: Great. So going back to sort of the process, because they're trying to be very process driven project managers here, what would a new client the very first step be in the onboarding process? What would you be looking to ask them or get from them?
1: Yeah, definitely. So usually we like to get a little bit of a background from sales first, just kind of an overview. And the first step is always introducing ourselves, getting a sense of what they need, what they do. Mm -hmm. So we usually just give our background, get their background. And we start with just kind of diving into the breakdown of the onboarding process, which is the same for everyone. Just the sub steps for each item are different bearing on the client. So a client that is selling
2: courses, we would incorporate more of the tasks for setting up their payment providers and doing mm-hmm. that integration. Whereas someone who wasn't, we'd skip that step and maybe they're focused on doing gamification instead, in which case we would focus on, on setting up their learning points and structures and badges and things. There's a base of what we would talk to everyone about, like data, yeah. activities, learner experience and so on. But when you start getting into asking them initial questions and you delve into the, each of those steps a little bit more, then we start being able to put together our plan for, for how we onboard them.
1: Yeah. That also ties in with what we said a little earlier about clients who may have never used an LMS. You know, Are you bringing in activities? Are you creating the activities using our authoring tool studio? So it, it really depends on the nitty gritty of what they need from the LMS and what they need to achieve for their learners.
0: All the onboardings you've done, any tips, tricks, or success stories uh, that people have done really well on the client side that perhaps you've learned from? A stumper.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I would say there's no such thing as a stupid question. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of times where people are maybe sometimes nervous to ask a question to worry that we might think that they don't know what they're talking about. But honestly... Most of our clients are so busy doing their day-to-day job that this is usually an add-on. Like doing the actual transition is like, yeah, I managed the LMS already and then I'm working on the transition project is usually a lot of work. So sometimes you you know, you you're busy and you forget the answer to a question. So I would definitely say ask questions. Yeah. And that helps a lot. And just because you see something a certain way doesn't mean it has to be that way. So always keep an open mind. The clients that keep an open mind on just because this is the way I've always done it doesn't mean I have to do it that way. Sometimes yeah. there's a better way to do it that's more efficient, right? Because a lot of what we try to do when we're going through onboarding is not just getting the program set up the way it needs to be set up. It's also and how are you going to manage this on a day to day basis afterwards? And that can be, you know, simplifying the way the reports are happening, auto enrolling people into things, and setting that up so that that happens automatically. So yeah, so definitely ask a million questions.
1: Yeah. And just to add to the questions, it's, if you don't ask, the answer's always no. So if you're looking to do something and you think, oh, this is such a wild idea, they probably don't even do it. Just ask because the chances are we do it. it, (laughs) (laughs) Or you want to do it. It'll be exciting. Or, you know, we'll configure the settings in a way that, you know, we can do it. So it's, it's really just about you not just working with your team, but working with us and and tying in our teams and working as one to make sure that every single thing you need is accomplished.
0: Yeah, it sounds like no two onboarding clients are the same.
1: Nope, and
0: rarely is there, you know, cookie cutter approach. There's always something new that you're you're seeing with.
2: And clients. I think no two clients even have the same terminology. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, because you're in a you're onboarding someone, and you one of the first things we have to do is identify when you say course do you mean a course? Do you mean a SCORM package? Do you mean a group of SCORM packages? Do you mean a group of a group of like, yeah, it's, it can get complicated. So yeah, it's, it's starting off with even just what are the basic terms that you're using to describe what your program is?
1: Yeah. People always come to us saying, oh, I don't know what this means. Well, what do you call it? Because I don't know what you mean either. So they're learning our terminology, but we're also learning their terminology to be able to flip it at the same time.
0: Believe we'll even pass-fail. Not every organization likes the word fail. Maybe it's completed, incompleted. There's variations on this. So so clients can choose to use their own language. Yep. Great. New clients setting up on their own side who's going to be involved in their onboarding. Suggestions on who they should invite in their organization to sit in on
1: that? I would just say anyone who you expect to be accessing the LMS as an administrator.
2: So yeah, definitely all of the LMS admins, the core LMS admins that are using on a day-to-day basis should have some level of involvement definitely on the training side. I find it's very helpful to pre-book someone in the tech side, especially when you're dealing with importing data or any sort of integrations. The sooner you can get them involved in the project, the better, Mm -hmm. because they'll be able to answer some of the questions, even if they're not in the meetings. And it'll give them a little bit more comfort that they've had a chance to talk to us and they understand what's coming.
1: As yeah, well. and like even sort of
2: questions will come later.
1: Even if it's possible, like a manager that is above you, just because their expectations of how things are supposed to work might be different than yours, and everyone who's going to be touching anything really, the LMS or anything like that is going to have an opinion of how certain things should be. So, yeah. getting everyone in the room and hashing things out is the best way because then you're just doing things multiple times and you know, things aren't always going to work. You're going back and forth or you're changing things constantly. And it just makes the onboarding process not as pleasant and just longer. Yeah. Having a
2: stakeholder in the room means you can ask, what are you actually looking for mm-hmm. out of this project? So we can make sure that amongst all the other day-to-day stuff that needs to happen, that we make sure that that, that requirement is met or those requirements are met. Definitely
0: client gone through the onboarding process. It's not cut off over and you go live one day, although I suppose that sometimes happens, but that sort of transition from onboarding into launching. Any guidance around that soft launch, test groups?
1: Soft launches are definitely the way to go. A lot of our clients choose a soft launch. They'll just grab a bunch of testers that they trust their opinions on that maybe have used a system similar to the LMS before just to make sure that things are functioning as the learners would expect. Unless you're cutting over from an old LMS, in which case it's more of a preview to
2: what's coming than it is so much a soft launch. Because if you're cutting over from an old LMS, you got to have the period with which the old one turns off, the last data gets imported, and the new one comes on. And in situations like that, it has to be a cutover. In which case, if you do need, if there are key audience members that are going to give you feedback, then yeah, a preview area would would be good. But for us, a launch doesn't always mean the end of onboarding. It could be that you're launching a part of something, like you've got 10 parts to your program and Mm -hmm. you're launching something first, in which case we'll walk you through the first launch and the second launch and such until we finished onboarding the whole program.
1: Yeah, definitely prioritizing what you need your learners to do or see first. I know we're not talking about tips anymore, but that's actually a great tip.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's benchmarks for success, right? And every client is going to have their own benchmark, but are there some that you see as as a successful onboarding? The client's accomplished what?
1: I mean, if the client's accomplished everything they set out to accomplish during the onboarding process, whether it's after or before launch, that's successful. If the client is you know, happy with the setup and if learners are Maybe if they're not cutting over from an LMS or maybe they're cutting over from a difficult-to-use LMS, you know, not user-friendly, and they find the process smoother and easier, I mean, that's always a success for us.
2: Yeah, I don't think for us the success of the onboarding project is... By definition, we've onboarded them. Yay, we succeeded. (laughs) Yeah, it's done. (laughs) But but for us, we're the success factors that we're looking at are the success factors for your program, right? Like so, whatever it is you're delivering, is it working faster? Are there more completions? Are they buying more courses? Is it easier? Is it easier to use? Is there? Does it take less work on a day to day basis to maintain it? Those that's usually more what we're looking at when we're doing an onboarding project because we're going to onboard you anyway. That's going to happen, but did we do a good job doing it? That are, you all it? are you happy with it? Are you
0: are Satisfaction you- guaranteed. Even before <laughs> it's been put out to learners to have internal stakeholders at an organization engaged and happy with the product, I think is mm-hmm. a, a huge win.
1: I think, Yes, of course, stakeholders are important, but the stakeholders aren't always your learners. Mm -hmm. And our goal is to get learners from logging in to completing their courses. Mm -hmm. And that is the most important aspect for us. It it is an LMS, after (laughs) all.
0: Best ways to communicate during the onboarding process?
1: Tickets. (laughs) I mean, hashing things out during onboarding on calls is always great. And, you know, we always book... A certain cadence of calls during the onboarding process but tickets are great because you know after you onboard you are going to be you know dealing with the rest of the team the support team the developers so having that background in tickets and being able to track changes from one ticket to another i mean that that makes everything even after onboarding so much easier and we You know, I always love to see things in writing because if I'm understanding something incorrectly, I'm going to write the way I understand it. And if they're writing it back differently, then I know something's been, you know, miscommunicated or I've, you know, understood something incorrectly. So calls are great, you know, for long conversations, for working sessions, but tickets are always great in the long run. Yeah.
2: And notes that we have from those meetings go into the ticket. So it's, Always. you know, we talked about this today, and this is the answer that we came up with and why.
0: Trends you're seeing.
1: What are new clients getting more and more into? I mean, other than gamification, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: there is a lot more gamification. There's yeah. a lot more accreditation, credit, Definitely. auto reporting of credits lately for continuing ed. I would say. I think mostly around that it's yeah. some interesting integrations for data. A lot more people looking to visualize their data, mm-hmm. not just I need to run a report that gives me every data point in the system. It's in an I Excel want it sheet. And an Excel sheet that's going to be larger than my computer can handle. Yeah. It's more people are starting to look at how they visualize that data out Quick of it glasses. to figure out what the success is. And I love that. I want to know that they took this course this time last year they did an assessment. They didn't do well. Yeah. You know, we changed the course. We did the assessment again. The scores were higher. Mm-hmm. Like, but if you're not ever analyzing that data, you're never going to see that. Yeah. So, yeah, I do like to know that people are actually starting to get into more like, of, yeah. yeah, is this mm-hmm. like, it's not just some people it's about selling the courses and they don't really, it honestly doesn't matter as long as they're buying the courses. Sure. That's great. But, <laughs> but I always like to know that people are actually completing the course and they're remembering what they learned. So, yeah, seeing a lot more people starting to analyze
1: for that. And switching up reports to just not be text on a page is... Always better because if it's, you know, visually pleasing and giving you the information you need, then that's great. Yeah. And also a lot
2: more people are getting creative with their learner experiences. I think they're beginning to figure out that people don't want to just come see a button on a page and then click enter and then see like the same old boring text and image course, right? There's a lot more of uh expanding the fun aspect of taking courses and seeing that more throughout their learner experiences, which makes the project a lot more fun for us too. Yeah, definitely.
0: Isabel, you touched, you just teased a little bit gamification. For our audience, our next podcast is going to be with Isabel on on gamification. Want to give us a little teaser? Sure.
2: (laughs) There are a lot of research reports that say that, you know, if you're, especially if you're looking at retention, trying not just retaining knowledge, but also retaining employees, gamification would definitely help with that. So that's making the full experience a lot more interesting, more competitive in some aspects, but really more self-discovery. So imagine you have a program where you have a ton of courses and your objective is to get, say, your customer service people to take as many of those courses as possible. So they learn as much as they possibly can giving them rewards and benefits and showing how they've stacked up compared to other people and how many courses that other person took, mm-hmm. things like that. Just if you think of, it's sort of a mix between scouts and <laughs> right? if you think of badges <laughs> and things like that, but take it to the next level, take it to like, well, my badge was better than your badge because yeah. I got my badge on this day and I got it for doing it faster and getting a higher score. Yeah. So yeah, it, it can get really fun. Yeah.
0: Some healthy competition. And,
2: i mean i hope
0: it's <laughs> well thank you so much both leah and isabel for joining us today thank you so much listeners and be sure to subscribe to the supporting cast wherever you get your podcasts